Welcome back, Crimeaholics. It's your host, Holly, and I am back with another solved murder case for you all. I don't have any kind of case updates or anything to share with you guys, but I do have one small request for you. We appreciate all reviews that are left for us. Not only do reviews make our day and let us know what we are doing that you love, but it also helps other people find our podcast. So if you have a brief moment and you do not mind, and you're using an app that allows you to leave a review. We would love you forever if you could just leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform. Okay, so let's get into today's case. Today's case took place right here where I currently live in a place known as Sin City. This case is bringing us to Las Vegas, Nevada. So without further ado, let's jump in. Shauna Ann TFA was born on March 13, 1966 in Salt Lake City, Utah. Growing up, she moved around as a child and attended her middle school and high school years in Northern Virginia, where she was a popular cheerleader with many friends who absolutely loved and adored her. In 1994, at the age of 28, Shauna picked up her life and moved to Las Vegas, Nevada, where she was going to be selling cosmetics at Saks Fifth Avenue and Neiman Marcus. But when you live in Vegas and you're a beautiful blonde-haired bombshell like Shauna was, there is a lot of opportunities for other jobs making a significant amount of money. After a few years of living in Vegas selling cosmetics, Shauna switched her professions and started as a cocktail waitress at the Casino Fiesta. In November of 2001, a new casino and resort called The Palms opened up, and when they did, Shauna started working there on the very first day that they opened. Shauna did amazing with her job as a cocktail waitress. Customers loved her, her co-workers became her closest friends, and Shauna was just this free spirit who people gravitated towards. She was known for baking her co-workers cupcakes for their birthdays, and she truly was that cliche saying that we hear so often of someone who lights up the room when they walk in. Her smile truly radiates through all of the pictures that I have seen of Shauna, and all of the interviews I saw with her friends and families, they all described her as this fun, loving, girly girl who truly loved life. While working at the Palms in 2002, Shauna caught the eye of a local Las Vegas firefighter who frequented the Palms quite often. His name was George TFA. George was this handsome, charming, and charismatic man. While in high school, he was the star athlete, and he was also crowned homecoming king. George was the kind of guy who always was willing to help people in need. Whatever someone needed, he was there for them no matter what. When he saw Shauna working at the Palms, he was instantly drawn to her beauty, but he was also really drawn to her drive. She was a hard worker who hustled at work to make her customers happy, which he admired. Shauna and George hit it off instantly and they began dating, which it wasn't long before the two of them were inseparable. 
The two were literally head over heels for each other, and they told their friends and their families about how much they loved and adored each other. A year into their relationship, they welcomed a baby girl who they named Madison. George and Shauna transitioned into their roles as parents easily. George was protective and doted on his daughter, and Shauna was absolutely in love with her daughter, and everything she did revolved around Madison. A few years after the birth of their daughter, George and Shauna got married in a beautiful beach wedding in Hawaii. Everything seemed picture perfect for the family, but a few years after the wedding, things started to get tough for the TFA family. George took a major hit financially when the housing market crashed and Shauna at this point became the main income for the family. For whatever reason, this decline in things for George had him getting really nasty towards Shauna. She confided in close friends that George was becoming extremely jealous and controlling, and perhaps it was because he felt like because he wasn't the breadwinner for the family that maybe Shauna would leave him, so his attitude shifted and he clung on to things and was always jealous. Either way, Things got worse between the two, and one afternoon when Shauna was leaving for work, he told her that she looked like a slut. This upset Shauna because Madison was literally standing right there when he said this to her, and she didn't want their daughter to be exposed to such talk and degrading words to her mother. It wasn't long after this that Shauna then became uncomfortable with a man that George had befriended. This man would come over to do various different odd jobs at the TFA home, including some yard work. This man was a known homeless man from the Las Vegas area. And for whatever reason, Shauna felt really unsettled around him and found this guy to be very creepy. But like I said earlier, George was the type of person to help someone if he could, and he likely saw this man and wanted to help him make some money, seeing that he was homeless. Things between George and Shauna continued to get worse and worse, and she decided that she wanted to move out of their shared home and into a townhouse in a nice area of Las Vegas known as Summerlin. While living separately, George and Shauna shared custody of Madison, and they also began doing marriage counseling. Shauna really wanted the relationship to work, and she wanted to build back what they had broken between them. But she also knew that in the back of her mind, the divorce was a possibility and she was preparing herself for the worst while hoping for the best. Both George and Shauna were equally upset about their relationship and how it had gone. George told people that the complications that came with divorce wasn't something that he wanted to go through. He also seemed like he wanted the marriage to work out. As time went on and the couple continued to live life separately, things for Shauna were going better than she had anticipated. She was finding a new routine in life apart from George, and she continued to thrive in her work, working those long hour days, but she was happy with her job and the way life was going. One evening after work, Shauna came home to find that her townhouse had been broken into and completely trashed. 
She found that some things of value to her had been stolen, including her wedding ring. But what Shauna and authorities found extremely odd was that all of Shauna's bikini bottoms had been stolen as well. And they also found inside the home a pair of boxers that did not belong to Shauna and they did not belong to George. So whoever broke into the home had left those behind, which is so weird to me. I don't know if maybe this person took their boxers off and switched them out for a pair of Shauna's bikini bottoms since a bunch of those were missing. I don't know, but I found that really, really odd. This incident with the break-in put Shauna on edge, as I think it would put anyone on edge. And she, of course, was frightened by it, but she tried to just move past it and continue to work hard at life. Three weeks later, on September 29th, 2012, Shauna is seen clocking out at work around 3 a.m. Everything in their surveillance footage appears normal. Shauna is also caught on surveillance outside of the Palms walking to her car. Once more, it did not appear that anything was out of the ordinary, and there was nobody that appeared to be following her. From the Palms to where she lived in Summerlin was about a 30-minute drive. She arrived home sometime after 3.30 a.m. and pulled her black car inside the garage and then went inside the house. At 9 a.m., George had just finished a 24-hour shift at the fire department, and he picked up his daughter from her grandmother's house. He drove over to Shauna's house to pick up some of her belongings. They entered the home to find that it was completely a mess with things thrown everywhere, and George and his daughter found his wife dead on the floor. He instantly called 911. 48 Hours did a special on Shauna and they had that 911 call, so I am going to play that for you guys as well. 911, I want to take her to my okay. mom's, mom's house. Stay, stay right there a minute, okay? Okay. Um, do you know what the address is? And you don't live there, correct? No, my, my wife and I uh, live in separate places. Okay. When's the last time you saw her? Uh, right, did you go uh, Take a deep breath. I, I'm a fireman. I was at work yesterday, so I saw her about 36 hours ago, I guess. Okay. I'm not sure. Okay. A, a day and a half ago, I'm thinking something like that. Okay. How old's your daughter? She's eight. And she's with you, or where's she at? She's right here with me. Okay, what's your name, sir? My name is George TFA. Okay, do you see anything suspicious around her? Any weapons, any knives, guns? Uh, no, I, I had to get my daughter out of there. We came over, and the garage door was open, and it's never open. And so we, we went in to grab some stuff for my daughter. My my, my wife sleeps during the day because she works at night. Right. And uh, she was in the on on the floor when we walked in the. Where are you at right now? I'm um, I'm at the garage right now. Okay, we do have an officer on the way, so just stay right outside, and we'll get somebody out there for you. Okay. Oh God, I I, I didn't touch the body to check for that's, a pulse. That's okay. We have medical on the way as well. Okay. 
When authorities arrived and began examining the scene, it was quickly apparent that whoever attacked Shauna did so as she was headed up the stairs. Shauna was still in her work outfit, and from the injuries on her body, it appeared that she had been beaten with a hammer. There was one spot on her head, though, that authorities were unsure at that point if she had been shot because the wound was so deep. Her skull had been crushed and her fingers had also been broken from Shauna putting her hands up trying to protect herself from her murderer. Shauna suffered tremendously in the last moments of her life and it's absolutely horrific to think about what she was going through knowing that she was going to die. When authorities began questioning the neighbors, one of them did report that they heard thudding sounds coming from the apartment sometime between 3.30 and 4 a.m. However, the neighbor was familiar with Shauna's routine and knew that was about the time that she would come home from work, so they thought nothing of the sounds. Another neighbor contacted the police after they found some of Shauna's belongings strewn out alongside the road nearby where Shauna lived. Naturally, being the husband, George was the first person that they questioned, and George had been working at the fire station for a 24-hour work shift, and his story completely checked out. They were able to confirm that he was in fact there, and he never left during his day-long shift. From this point, authorities really didn't know where to go with the investigation. They did question whether the break-in three weeks prior was potentially connected to this case. Had someone possibly come back to the home to take more belongings and Shauna found them there when she had come home from work? Or was Shauna targeted by someone who may have followed her home or possibly someone who had been stalking her for some time? All of Shauna's co-workers were distraught and on edge on the news of Shauna's murder. They feared that someone who had been at the Palms was responsible for taking their friend's life. Shauna's sister Paula, on the other hand, didn't think that this was random, and she immediately let authorities know that she believed her brother-in-law George was to blame somehow. Just 24 hours into the investigation, police received the tip they needed to solve this case. A man who went by the name of Big Will called police to tell them about this homeless friend of his who had told him that he killed a woman with a hammer. Big Will didn't know this man's real name, but he knew that he went by the name of Greyhound. Big Will told police that Greyhound was laughing and smiling about the fact that he took this woman's life. He said that he told the man that if he hears about a woman being killed in this manner on the news, that he would report it to police. The moment Big Will saw it on the news, he immediately contacted police. However, Big Will knew very little about Greyhound. He knew that he lived somewhere in a tent on the outskirts of Vegas, but he knew of an area that this Greyhound individual would frequently hang out. And he also knew of a grocery store called Albertsons that he would often go to to steal food. Authorities and Big Will loaded up to go stake out this area where Greyhound would go, and it wasn't long before Big Will spotted Greyhound walking across the parking lot. When authorities approached him, they found that Greyhound had drugs on him and were able to arrest him for that while they continued their investigation into Shauna's murder. 
Greyhound was actually someone that authorities were very familiar with, and his name was Noel Stevens. When questioned about Shauna, he completely denied any kind of involvement. And while Noel was a known criminal, authorities were confused on why he would have traveled so far to the area where Shauna lived to commit such a crime. And had he killed Shauna, why hadn't he taken anything of value and sold it? Authorities also couldn't figure out a connection between Noel and Shauna. They were able to track down the area in which he had been sleeping in that tent, and they searched the area for anything to connect him to Shauna's murder. A few feet away from Noel's tent, they found a pair of rolled-up blue jeans that appeared to be covered in blood as well as a price tag for a newly purchased hammer and a bloody pair of underwear. Upon searching the phone that Noel had in his possession, they found the link to Shauna. Inside his contacts was George TFA's number. When asked about George, Noel said that he was his friend who was a Las Vegas firefighter. Noel Stevens is that homeless man I mentioned earlier that Shauna had felt uncomfortable by. He was the man that George had hired to help around the house with odd jobs and yard work. Through their investigative skills, authorities were able to track down the location where the hammer was sold that they found that price tag for. When they requested the CCTV footage for the Lowe's where it was purchased, they saw Noel walking around the store, but he was not alone. Walking side by side, chatting like everything was normal, George and Noel shopped for a hammer that would eventually take the life of George's wife. When presented with the evidence, Noel cracked and admitted that he had killed Shauna, but he did it because her husband, George, wanted her dead, and that he had offered him money to take care of it. George had given Noel $600 to kill his wife, with promises of more money to come. Noel told authorities that this was something that he and George had planned for quite some time. George had gotten a duplicate key made to allow Noel access into Shauna's home while she was gone for work. He also had purchased dark colored clothing for Noel to wear. Noel also told them that George had asked him to stage a robbery in the weeks before her murder. I'm not sure if this was George's way of trying to make it seem like Shauna was targeted or if this was just like a practice run for Noel to kind of get the lay of the house. But Noel said on that September 29th, once he gained access into the house, he hid in her closet for a while before moving to the living room where he waited for her to come into the house. When Shauna came in the door and began heading upstairs, Noel came behind her and started striking her with the hammer. He told authorities that she screamed, cried, and was begging for her life. She kept repeating, quote, why are you doing this? Noel struck Shauna 17 times before the hammer broke. He then picked up the hammerhead and continued to strike her until she quit moving. After his confession to authorities, Noel told them that he would take them to the area where he buried the hammer in the desert near his tent, which they were able to recover. 
On October 8, 2012, authorities told George's mother and sister that he was being heavily looked into for being involved in his wife's murder. His sister immediately called George to tell him, and he sped off from his home in his pickup truck and began driving around Las Vegas recklessly. He would eventually drive straight into a concrete barrier located off the Summerlin Parkway. Crash investigators estimated that George was driving at least 80 miles per hour when he plowed into that concrete barrier. Also absent from the scene was skid marks to indicate that George had attempted to stop his vehicle from crashing. Because the lack of skid marks, they came to the conclusion that this was an intentional crash and that George was trying to attempt suicide. But George didn't think through his accident because he was still wearing his seatbelt and that was the only thing that ultimately saved his life that day. George was treated at the hospital and two days later, while still recovering in the hospital from the accident, authorities came to let him know that he was being arrested for the involvement in his wife's death. He simply replied with, okay. Noel Stevens took a plea deal and three months after he was initially arrested, he pled guilty to murder. In exchange for his guilty plea and his agreement to testify against George, the death penalty was taken off the table and instead he was sentenced to 42 years to life in prison. In August of 2015, so nearly four years after the murder of his wife, George's trial began. Every single day, Shauna's whole entire family was there wearing her favorite color of pink. Her family also gave the prosecutor Shauna's lucky poker chip that she always kept with her. They wanted him to have it as he represented Shauna and hoped that it guided him and brought him luck during the trial against George. George did not take the stand during his trial, but many of his closest friends and family did, and they all said that he was a kind and compassionate person. This entire thing was completely out of character for George, they said, and they did not believe that he was involved. Not only did the authorities have the CCTV footage and Noel being their star witness, they also had phone records that showed that George had called Noel 87 times in the month of September of 2012, which was the month that Shauna was murdered. Five of those calls took place on the night before her murder. The prosecution argued that this was an awful lot of times to call someone who was supposedly just the person that did odd jobs at your home. The defense argued that the CCTV footage proved nothing and that George and Noel were there to shop for tools for the jobs that he was doing around the house, not a murder weapon. While on stand, Noel told the jury exactly what he previously told authorities about his involvement in Shauna's murder. He recalls on the stand that when George first mentioned killing Shauna and he offered Noel $1,000 to do the deed, he didn't believe him and he thought that he was just saying this to kind of blow off steam after an argument with his wife. Noel says that he started to believe George, though, when George came to him again and offered $5,000 this time instead of 1000 the plan was that after she was dead and he collected the life insurance, he would pay Noel, but he started with giving him $600 to take care of it, with the promise of the rest to come later. Noel was also able to pawn Shauna's wedding ring that he initially stole in the break-in that took place several weeks before her murder, which George allowed him to keep that money. 
Noel also testified that George told him to use a fiberglass hammer during the murder instead of the wood hammer because the wood one could possibly break, which it did. When Noel went into Shauna's house that day, he had both hammers in hand. But for whatever reason, he ended up using the wood one. And again, as we know, it did in fact break while he was savagely beating Shauna to death. After closing arguments, the jury took roughly 15 hours to come back finding George TFA guilty of first-degree murder and a handful of other charges. The jury sentenced him to life without the possibility of parole. On top of his life sentence, he was also given 81 years for conspiracy, burglary, and robbery. George appealed the verdict, and in his 107-page appeal, it included dozens of handwritten pages from George. In these pages, he wrote in the third person and in all capital letters, stating that he suffered from negative effects of prescription medication when Shauna was murdered. He said, quote, the prescription altered his mind and removed his ability to know right from wrong to the point that he thought God directed him to perpetrate a crime to protect his child, end quote. George also claimed that his defense counsel was ineffective during the trial and ignored his mental troubles. According to George, he also informed his counsel about the prescription drugs he had taken that caused him to have hallucinations. He claims that his counsel ignored his desires for psychiatric evaluation. But his attorney, Robert Langford, disagreed and stated, quote, He never indicated any kind of psychosis or any kind of abnormal behavior that led me to believe that he was anything other than competent and able to assist in his defense, end quote. George ultimately lost his appeal and remains behind bars. Shauna's daughter is now a young adult, and she has now lived longer without her mother than she got to live with her. This coming September marks 10 years that Shauna has been gone, and though justice has been served and those responsible are behind bars, it does not make it easier for Shauna's family having to go on living without their radiant sunshine in their lives. This was a cruel and senseless crime planned and committed by a man who knew he could manipulate someone else to do the deed for him, but he wasn't actually smart enough to get away with it, and thankfully for Shauna's family, he was caught quickly. I do want to say that one thing that I find absolutely tragic about this story is that when George went and found Shauna and reported that this had happened, he walked into his wife's townhome with their eight-year-old daughter at that time, knowing full well that she was in there somewhere deceased. He brought their daughter in there knowing that she was in there dead. I can't imagine the trauma that that little girl went through. I can't imagine the things that she saw, but it is absolutely horrifying to me that a father would do that no matter what he done to his wife. To expose his daughter to that trauma absolutely blows my mind. It is so tragic for their daughter, Madison. Crimeaholics, if you're not already a part of our private Facebook group, you can find it by searching Crimeaholics Podcast Discussion Group. In there, we share all pictures and information pertaining to the cases that we cover, and we also encourage all of our members to share all things true crime. 
Also, make sure that you follow us on Instagram at crimeaholics.podcast. And if you want more true crime content, you can follow me on TikTok at crimeaholics.podcast podcast. Lastly, if you wish to follow myself personally, you can find me on Instagram at Crimeaholic. Crimeaholics, that is all for this week's episode. As always, be aware and take care. (music) 